All right, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, let's do that again. Merry Christmas. Man, it's so good to be together. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself. I uh, want to make sure you know this. At any time throughout the night, you want to go get uh, some more cookies or hot apple cider or hot chocolate or some more broccoli, uh, carrots that are back there. We, we're trying to do our best to like give you an option of like holiness and sin. And uh, so there's veggies back there that it's still full, shockingly, uh, but there's plenty of stuff. Feel free that uh, to go back there. If you need the restroom, it's through the glass doors and to the left, uh, so feel free. Uh, also, if you have uh, kids birth through four, if you want to unload them, great. We have childcare right here. If you want to hold them, uh, wonderful. Even if they're so dang cute. Come here real quick. Can I show you off? Look at this. Ooh. Yeah, that's how my wife looks at me. Like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, like, how do you not name her mascot? Oh, geez. All right, uh, where were we? Yeah, so there's child care. If, unless you want to hold them like that, then you can do that. But eat as many cookies as you want, kids, uh, with your parents' permission, of course, but uh, eat as much as you want. Merry Christmas again. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Rock Creek Church. And one of the things that I love to do immediately with people is to find out as much information that I can about them so I can get to know them. I can get to know you this more, this evening pretty quickly. You're not going to be able to get to know me, but I'm going to be able to get to know you with a little game called Would You Rather, all right? A game called Would You Rather. Uh, one of my favorite games, uh, anybody can play as long as you can stand, okay? So if I'm going to give you two options, like one might be, hey, what's your favorite number, zero or a hundred? If your favorite number is zero, stand, th that kind of thing, okay? So I'm going to give you an option, and these scientifically are proven to let me in on who you are as a person. So let's get started. Would you rather receive 10 little gifts or one huge gift? Oh, I didn't ask you. All right. All right. I'm going to tell you to stand. All right. All righty. We're going to find out who the greedy ones are. If you want one giant gift, please stand up. Yeah. Look at the people sitting. Their love language is numerical gifts, like lots of gifts. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, so that let me know about you. Would you rather play in the snow or play at the beach? Yeah, didn't ask you. All right, so we played in the snow like crazy kids. You've played in the snow. If you've grown up here, you've played in the snow. So we're going we're gonna to have the people who would rather play at the beach stand up. Yeah, look at this. Man, you guys live in the wrong place. The beach. Take me to the beach. All right, have a seat. Very good. All right, kids. Where are my kids in this room? Not if you act like a kid. You are a kid. All right, kids, this one's for you. And maybe if you... Anyway, here we go. Would you rather tonight go to bed early or tonight stay up super, super late? Okay, didn't ask you. Okay, here we go, ready. How many of you, we're going to find out who the Grinches are, would rather stay up super late tonight? Stand up. <laughs> wow. Hold on a second. Look around at all you fuddy-duddies. You guys should have gone to the 3 o'clock service. You could have been in bed by now. 
Wow. All right. All right. So, um, this is a very, very interesting one that we're going to announce here. Grant Hansen has actually done both of these. And so, um, We'll, we'll see what, which one you would like to do. Would you rather swim in a pool filled with chocolate pudding <laughs> or swim in a pool filled with jello and gummy bears and whipped cream? Okay, now, you need to think about this. Okay, sometimes decisions come your way and they make an impact on your life the rest of your life. All right, so we're gonna find out who the freaks are. How many of you would rather swim in a pool filled with jello and gummy bears and whipped cream? Stand up. Look at the weirdos. My gosh. You're like, I will never be judged at church. Wrong. This whole row, holy cow, runs in the family. All right, have a seat. This is the last one. Now, uh, some of you, this is maybe for some of you, this is very near and dear to your heart because of how old you are. Um, but would you rather be 700 years old or own 700 dogs? I didn't ask you. Now, you have to think about this because both of these have significant implications. 700 years old. That's really freaking old. 700 dogs. I want you, that's a lot of dogs. I want you to think about this. Pray about it if you want real quick. So we're going to find out. Please stand if you would rather have 700 dogs. Oh my goodness. Look at these individuals. Do you know how many 700 is? That's one more than 699. That's a lot of dogs. 700 years old is a lot of years too. Some of you are like, man, I'm like 60 and I can barely move. I don't want to do 700. All right, I get it. Some of you are pretty interesting. All right, so we've been in this series that we've entitled Our King. And what we're doing throughout this series for the last several weeks is we've been looking at the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is a book in the Bible. It's in the beginning part of the Bible. If you're new to church, it's called the Old Testament. And, and we've been looking at this particular chapter within that book, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And when it's delivered to the people of Israel, it's not delivered like on a night like tonight. Most all of you look incredible here tonight. You, you smell good. You've got nice looking clothes on. Everyone's happy. You're eating vegetables. Like everything's just going well tonight. This is not the setting for Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. In fact, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 comes to the people during a very dark time. There's war and there's division, there's choosing of sides, there's poverty and extreme poorness. All this is going on when this prophetic word given by God is given to the people 700 years before the baby Jesus comes upon this earth. 700 years and here is what the prophet Isaiah receives. And here's what the prophet Isaiah shares with the people. Starting in verse six, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called. This is where we've been focused all series. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, 
everlasting father, prince of peace. That's, that's the description given to Jesus before he was even born, 700 years before he is born. This is the Christmas story. And, and these are the names that are given that describe who this baby is going to be someday. And the people that received this message, they took hope in it. It, it took care of their hearts. It took care of their, their hopelessness. A few weeks ago, we, we began this series and we started by talking that Jesus is given the name Wonderful Counselor. That is, he understands you. He's the wonderful counselor that'll enter into your life, enter into your circumstances and give you wise counsel and give you understanding. And then we talked about the fact that God is a mighty God. He's not a wimpy God. He's a mighty and powerful God, powerful enough to enter into your heartache, powerful enough to enter into your pain, your suffering, whatever you might be going through. And then we looked at the fact that he is called the Prince of Peace. And around this time of year, we're all looking for peace. We're all looking for things to settle down. If not peace within this world, then certainly peace within our own hearts. We're looking for it. And tonight, on this beautiful Christmas Eve night, we're talking about the name given to Jesus, Everlasting Father. God in the flesh, in the form of a baby with every single attribute of God. And so why did Jesus receive the name Everlasting Father 700 years before he was even born? Well, for starters, everlasting because Jesus is eternal. He wasn't created. He's always been. He always will be. Jesus is eternal without beginning and without end. He's outside of the world. In fact, he's ruler of the world. He's always been. He always will be. Why? Because he's everlasting. So why father? Father is incredibly important because it shows the relational nature of Jesus. It shows Jesus' heart as being relational to us. Culture has spent a lifetime trying to convince us that Jesus is religion and that religion is Jesus. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Maybe you had that experience growing up in regards to Jesus and religion. Rules, regulations, dress the right way, act the right way, speak the right way, look the part follow the procedures, and, and then you're good. But you see, that's the direct opposite of what we read in the scriptures, scriptures and, and what God's heart is. Whether you've come to church your whole life or it's been several years since you've ever stepped foot in a church, you're new to uh, Christ, you're new to the Bible. In fact, this is the first time you've been in a long, long time. You're at least familiar with John 3.16. And what makes John 3.16 so incredibly special is because God initiated, God invaded, God came in the midst of darkness to a relatively unknown world, to, to a world that had no idea who he was, but he was still king of it. God loved us so much that he sent his son, not so that we could start and maintain a religion, but so that we could have a relationship with the God of the universe. 
And this is mind-boggling. If you, if you let yourself truly go there, this is mind-boggling to wrap your mind around that that God wants a relationship with you. This, this God who created every single beautiful flower you've ever seen. This God who, who painted every sunset that you've enjoyed. Every raindrop, every hiking trail, every snowflake that you've paused and looked at on your arm, he created Every person, red, brown, black, yellow, black and white, what? Yeah, they're precious in his sight. That God wants a relationship with you. To give you peace and, and rest and freedom and hope. Now I have a question for you. How many of you have had or do have a father? Well, like half this room's like, ah, kind of think this is a trick question. Let me, let me try and say it better. How many of you have or have had a father? Raise your hand. Yeah, there we go. Much better, right? No trick question here. Plain, simple. How many of you had a dad? We've all had a dad. That's why you're here tonight. Now, kids, where are my kids? Yeah, yeah, thank you, my brother. All right, here we go. How many of you have a dad who thinks they're cool, but they're not? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay, look around. Yeah, some of you pulled a lat muscle raising your hand so fast. You're like, ah! Okay, you don't have to be that adamant. Yeah, I see that hand back there, buddy, yes. All right, well, let me defend dads. It's actually a prerequisite to be a dad to think you're cool when you're not, okay? You kind of have to sign a contract. That's what happens. Look at Alex, okay? <laughs> it happens to all of us. Now, it's, this is a family-friendly service. We got a, little, a lot of little tykes in this room. So I'm gonna say this to you adults or you of the more mature ears, and you'll understand what I'm saying by this. Some of you had incredibly great dads or you have those kind of dads right now. And some of you were dealt a really bad hand. And I'm sorry about that. It's important that we acknowledge because everybody in this room can't say I had a great dad or I have a great dad. It's important to acknowledge that. Why? Because often, not always, but often, we tend to reflect onto God what our feelings and experiences were with our earthly father. We reflect those onto our heavenly father. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's a misguided reflection onto the king of kings. But it happens. And so I want to be very, very clear on this everlasting father. Jesus came to be the perfect father figure. Compassionate, loving, respected, strong, forgiving, gentle, kind, protecting, giving, understanding. This is the everlasting father. This is the king baby Jesus. And I have to wonder on this Christmas Eve, do you know his heart? Do you know his heart for you? Do you know how he feels about you? There's another book at the beginning of the Bible called Psalm. And in this book, uh, Psalm 103, starting in verse 8, we get a glimpse into the heart of God. And here's what it says. The Lord is compassion, compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with what? Unfailing love. 
Newsflash, the person you marry doesn't have unfailing love for you. It's not possible. You do not have unfailing love for your kids as much as you might think you do. Your best friend does not have unfailing love for you. We're limited. We're sinful. We're broken. We only have so much in the tank. But God, he's compassionate and merciful and and he offers us an unfailing love. That's how he views us. This baby uh, born in a major, he was king then and he's king now. He's king tonight. But he doesn't lord his royalty over us as some in authority do. He doesn't do that. He shows us unfailing love. Why? Because this is important. Jesus is compassionate. Why does that matter? Why are we even talking about that on Christmas Eve? Because Jesus is compassionate for your life, for what you go through, for what you experience. He's compassionate. That means he knows what it's like to be a fourth grader. And he knows what it's like to raise a fourth grader. He he knows how much work goes into a marriage and how it can be hard. He knows what it's like to have financial problems and stress. The Lord understands physical failures and illnesses. When you feel like your body's given up and failing you, he understands and he's compassionate. God understands. He understands and he's filled with this unfailing love. And you might say, well, that very well might be true, but... You say he loves me, but you don't know the things that I've done. And I want to say to you, you're right. I don't know the things you've done. I don't know the things you've said. I don't know the things that you've thought through your mind. I don't know what you've rehearsed over and over and over. I don't know those things, but I know God does. And he still loves. He's still compassionate. He still loves you. And then you you might say, well... That's fine, but I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of doubts. I have issues with God. I have issues with Jesus. I have issues with Christianity. I have a lot of questions, and those questions cause me not to believe. They cause me not to understand, so I can't take that stuff. And my answer to you is, great, you're not alone. Every single person in this room, we have questions. We have questions about creation. We have questions about the end times. We have questions about life after death. We have questions about eternity and God and miracles and and evil. We have all of these questions and you're in good company. If you have those questions, that's why on January 12th, we're kicking off a new teaching series, very creatively entitled Questions. (laughs) Because we all have questions. And you ought to feel free bringing those questions to a place like this. Check out this video that we're going to use to launch this series. Bible. Isn't it full of contradictions? Don't all religions lead to the same? 
why are there so many denominations? How can Christians claim Jesus is the only life? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? How can you reconcile believing God with science? How could a loving God condemn people to hell? Do I need God to be what about all the hypocrites? How could there be a God with so much evil and suffering? What about people who've never heard of Jesus? Wasn't Jesus just a good teacher? Isn't it all relative? Isn't it all relative? So maybe it's questions. Maybe, maybe that's the thing that kind of keeps you from embracing all that God has for you. If that's you, I'd love to have you join us back here starting on January 12th so that we can wrestle with these questions. It's normal. But for you, maybe it's not questions. Maybe your response is, hey, listen, I know God loves me and, and I'm, I'm okay with that, but I don't love him back. The only reason I'm here is because family drugged me here. The only reason I'm here is because I'm supposed to. The only reason I'm here is because it's my one, one time a year. The only reason I'm here is fill in the blank. I don't love God, Brian. And here's my response to that. There is nothing that we can do, the Bible says, to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. There's nothing we can do to work or earn that love. But that's not the most important thing. Here's the most important thing. We can't stop God's love. You cannot stop God from loving you. In fact, he's in pursuit of loving you all week long. He's in pursuit of loving you here tonight as you're sitting in this seat. He loves you. And you could say, well, hey, I'm going to push God away. I'm going I'm to create distance. I don't want that love. And God's like, no problem. I still love you. Oh, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want your truth. I don't want your scripture. I don't want the church. I just don't want any of that. No problem. I still love you. Do you know that you are loved by God? He's crazy about you. That he loves you. So what are your obstacles? Because he loves you and he always will. You say, well, how did he? Well, Jesus came. We read that in John 3, 16. Jesus came in the form of a baby. We celebrate that tonight. But then he lived a life. He died on the cross and he rose again. So that you could have that relationship with him. Well, what does that look like? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Have you been in a place where you just want to rest? Have you... Have you been in a place of such fear and such struggle and cried so many tears that there are no more tears left? You just want to rest. Jesus says, come to me, approach me, bring it in. Bring it in here for a big hug. I've got you. I understand you. Bring your doubts and your anger and your frustrations and your questions. Come to me. 
This, this everlasting father says, come to me, this king, this king of all kings. Says, don't sound the trumpets. Don't roll out the red carpet. Don't crown me with many crowns. Just come to me. Come to me as you are. Bring that brokenness. Bring all of your anger. Bring all of your issues. Bring all of your doubts. Bring it all to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Because I get you. Because I will show you compassion and love and mercy and kindness and hope. Come to me and I'll take care of you. This king of kings gives supernatural rest. Come to me and maybe, just maybe, for you tonight, that's what you need to hear. Maybe that gives you a reason to sing. Maybe that gives you a reason to shout for joy. You see, when we look at the baby Jesus through the lens of Scripture, we see that he's an everlasting father. He's compassionate. And we also see that the everlasting father cares. He cares. Why is that important? Because on a night like this, you need to know that he not only has compassion for you, he genuinely cares about you. He cares about how hard school is. He, he cares about your, your stresses that you have that you know you shouldn't have. He knows when you lose it with your kids or lose it with your spouse or looking for a job or looking at things you shouldn't look at or doing things you shouldn't. He cares about that. He cares. This is what God says to you tonight on 2019 Christmas Eve. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If there's one thing that you get tonight, get this. Do not miss this. If there's one thing that I want you to know about Jesus, your everlasting father, is that he's compassionate for you, that he does care about you, and that his plans are to give you a future and to give you hope. He's not a distant, far-off deity that sits on his throne and just issues out judgment on his people and rules with an iron fist. He's not so distant that he doesn't understand what you're going through. He's as close as the breath is from your lips. He loves you. He cares about you. He understands you. He's not rule-based. He's not angry with you. He's not a religion. He is satisfied with you. He's satisfied with you because of the cross. And because of the cross, you are made right if you accept it. He loves you. And if that's all you get tonight, man, you're halfway there. If you, get, if you can get in the car and go, man, I, I still don't understand a lot of what they did, but man, that guy, that bald guy up there just kept saying, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. God loves you, God loves you. I guess God loves me. If you get that, you're halfway there. God loves you. The good, the bad, the ugly, he loves you. He's crazy about you. And we see that he's caring beyond anything we could ever comprehend. That king baby... traveling quite a while in the womb of a pregnant woman on a donkey 
Anybody think that sounds fun? That baby was born and he grew up. He loved others. He taught, he washed feet. He sat around campfires, he prayed, he listened, he cared. And he died a horrific death on the cross. Not so a religion could be started, but so that a relationship could be had. And so I wonder tonight, do you need a wonderful counselor? Do you need wisdom and insight into your life situations that, that God could usher in absolute truth and wisdom for you? Do you need a mighty God? Do you need God to come in to, to swoop in and flex his muscles and fight for you because he's powerful by the way he loves to fight for his people? Do you need a, a prince of peace? Maybe just a chance to finally catch your breath in the chaoticness of this world. Do you just need some peace? Do you need an everlasting father who will come and put his arms around you and sit with you and hold you and still view you as his little girl or his little boy and go, we're good. I'll help you. I believe in you. If you're looking for that this Christmas season, it's only found in one person, and that is Jesus Christ. It's not found anywhere else in this world. And that does not make us right and the world wrong. It just makes it right. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we sing. That's why we have Christmas cookies and poinsettias and reindeers in the yard. And that's why we do this thing called Christmas. Because our King is beyond our wildest comprehension. And when we have a relationship with Him, He gives us something that is summed up in four little words. For us at Rock Creek, it's four giant words or giant letters. As you saw coming into the, the room, you, you can see the word hope. It's lit up with red letters. It's because hope is found in Jesus, our King. And that's what makes it a Merry Christmas. So I'm thrilled you're here. I hope you're experiencing some peace. I, I hope you're experiencing some love. I, I hope you're smiling. I hope you're enjoying yourself. It's not done. We're going to continue to worship this, our King. Let's pray together. So God, we love you. Uh, we're grateful for tonight. We're grateful for the things that you've done. We're excited that you continue to speak to us. Thank you that you are our everlasting Father. You are compassionate and kind and forgiving everything that we need. And so on this Christmas, we celebrate that. It truly does make it a holy night. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.